Hello, everybody. It is one of our Friday evening hangouts where we can all chill, relax, and do some Q&A. You get to pick my brain and ask me anything. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, professional development, and workshops. Tell me in the chat, anything happened this week? Anything dramatic? Hopefully not. I tend to like my life when it's nice and boring. And I did have a nice boring week. Just makes me feel much better. It's comforting to have a boring week. And tell me what are some of your current projects that you're working on? Because I always enjoy seeing people's progress. I'll show you my progress this week. I finally finished this painting study for the Dune 2 poster that I'm doing. And the next stage is <gasps> the final artwork. <laughs> and I talked to my pretend art director, Ashley, this week. And she said that actually the painting study isn't that enormously helpful for the art director. And that actually the more important thing is for her to see the beginning of the final artwork. So that way she can double check the proportions, make sure that the placement of everything is correct. So that'll be my next thing is I'll begin the final art, but I'll show it to her before I get too far along because we have to check all of those things. I do think I got a little picky with the sandworm. I was hoping I'd be a little looser, but it is one of those things where I'll blame it on the reference photo. <laughs> the reference photo just really pulled me in. And you can see I'm just going in and adding a billion details. I think when I do the final poster, I'm going to have to be more conscious of that because I did feel like in the painting study that I was starting to more copy the reference photo and I wasn't interpreting as much. And also I added the little people at the bottom and thank goodness I looked at my thumbnail because you think you know what your composition is, but apparently not. I originally had thought they were in the middle, but actually in my thumbnail, they're coming out from the corner. And so good lesson that I've got to look at those thumbnails all the time. You just really don't know. And especially if this were a real gig, that matters. <laughs> you spend that much time working on those thumbnails and for me to mess that up is pretty dumb. And I'm so glad I've had this opportunity to work with Ashley because I really think when I learn stuff is when I mess it up and you just never forget when you mess up things like that. When you do things right, it's great, but I don't tend to have that moment of never do that again, Clara. That was a really dumb thing you did and you better start thinking twice before you start having any movement. Tell me in the chat your projects. If you just joined us, what are you working on? Actually, I have another thing I'm going to work on and it just popped up two days ago and they want it in a week. It's not a professional gig. It's just a fun thing 
that I want to do that some site is organizing. I can't give any details right now. And it's not because I'm making money or anything like that. It's just, I don't want to give out public details just yet until I've found out from them what I can share. But anyway, it looks like I'm going to be designing key art for beef, the Netflix show. And again, this is not professional at all. This is practice thing. Has anybody here seen that beef on Netflix? I just finished watching it actually. And it's very serendipitous that they happened to give us that prompt. And so now I've got a week to throw this together and there's all these formatting things. It's supposed to be an image that can be formatted in a number of different places. So the shape of the canvas is gonna change. That's gonna be a challenge, but oh boy, I have to get brainstorming because that show, it's so nuts. I just felt like so many things were happening all the time. I thought it was a great show. It's one of those shows you can't really predict as much because I watched with my spouse and he usually really knows how to predict what's happening in a movie. He's almost always right. And that wasn't happening with Beef. And Betty agrees. Yeah, I had never seen Ali Wong before. She's really good. And I want to see more of her other stuff. Joseph says, I'm doing a color field, very large with twists, also some small oils influenced by Alfred P. Ryder. Fantastic. Christian is working on a magical girl anime that takes place in the early 90s. I'm calling it Agent Seal. And we also have Teresa working on a mandala, Alexandria, self-dev work, roller coaster. Absolutely. Lisa met two art collectors today. They donated their collections to the museum. Did you meet them in the museum galleries, Lisa? Because I feel like these collectors exist in another universe somehow. <laughs> By the way, everybody, we are doing registration for our March and April workshops. Registration is due next Friday. Get your stuff in because the spots are filling up, but we're doing color palettes, drawing hands and feet, pricing your art, backgrounds, watercolor, selling your art, imaginary landscapes, oil pastel, and also drawing hair because we've run portrait workshops in the past, but for some reason, the past couple workshops I've done, so many people are asking me about hair. So I thought that would be really fun to do a workshop that's portrait, but really focused on how to draw hair. And Anna's asking, what is that show about? The premise sounds really ridiculous for beef. And actually, when I saw the preview for it, my reaction was, oh, that seems pretty thin. But the premise is that these two people get into this road rage fight and the fight just keeps going. <laughs> That's the entire show. I know it sounds not that interesting, but it was so off the rails and weird. And I, I just loved that it wasn't one of those shows where you just knew what was going to happen. And it was very much what you expect to see. And Retrospective says, change my profile pic, inspired by Madonna, thinking about doing a new trailer for my channel. 
shot videos about a fire. I'm not sure about using it or not. If you want any advice on the channel trailer retrospective, and you can ignore me, of course, I would keep it 30 seconds or less. Ours is a minute, but I think with channel trailers, people are just trying to figure out who you are, what your channel does. And 30 seconds, I think, is pretty good. I know it's crazy that I'm talking about one minute as if it's some massive commitment to watch. But I find when people encounter a new channel and they just want to really quickly know what's there to figure out if they want to actually keep looking through that channel. That's why, Betty, it's ridiculous, yes. It's also really funny. It's sentimental and emotional, absolutely. And it's got great side characters. I feel like a lot of the TV shows I like have really strong supporting actors. That's always been extremely helpful. Okay, so the other thing <laughs> that I did this week, well, I didn't do it. It happened to me. I got rejected. <laughs> I thought I would share that moment with all of you. In fact, tell me in the chat, when's the last time you feel like you got a rejection? Professional, not personal. Doesn't even have to be art related, could be something else because rejection is a part of working. You interview for your job, you don't get it. You apply for a grant, you don't get it. And again, I can't give details about exactly what this was, but it was an application so that you could apply to be in this mentorship program for artists who want to work in key art and the movie poster industry. I know, perfect. I was like, wow, this is exactly what I need because I don't have the education background to know about that industry. And let me tell you, this is so casual. Application was like, send us your Instagram and your portfolio link and everything. And I didn't have any expectations, but I didn't get in. It's like, great. I got rejected to be a student. <laughs> it wasn't even a professional, oh, you got a grant, you got rejected. It was, yeah, we don't want you to be our student. <laughs> I'm sure that's not it, what it actually is, of course. But I'm just saying from the applicant point of view, I could see how people might be taking it that way. And it's interesting because if this had happened to me when I was 23, and trying to break into the industry and just getting started, I feel like it would have crushed me because I would have felt like, gosh, if I can't even get into a mentorship, how could I ever possibly work my way into a professional gig? And it probably wouldn't have been those moments where you question, oh, am I good enough? Is this actually worth pursuing? But you know something? <laughs> After over two years of rejections, I'm 47 now. You know what my response is to a rejection like that? It's, okay, sure, that's it. There's nothing else. Maybe it's just that when you're in your 20s, everything just feels so apocalyptic and you take a lot of things to heart. And for me, I just say, you know something? Probably, and this is usually the reason why people get rejected, is I wasn't a fit for what they were looking for. Maybe they looked in my portfolio and realized, oh yeah, this, this is not the type of work we're gonna be doing. And in some ways they're doing you a favor because let's say their program is super digital and stuff like that. Or maybe there's a particular look that 
they want to work on in that mentorship and mine is not remotely the same, I would reject me too. And so a lot of the times people don't realize it's not, oh, your work is bad. It's just, this is an event for dogs and you brought your iguana. Sorry, you're not really going to fit in. And that's my reaction now is I'm like, okay, sure, move on. Next thing. I like what Emmett's saying. I once heard if you are not getting rejected at least once a month, then you are not trying. Cool perspective around receiving rejection. Exactly. Because the thing is, once you start putting yourself out there, you're going to get rejected. Can you guys imagine the publisher who rejected Harry Potter the first time around? Oh boy, would I be regretting <laughs> that decision? But that's what it is. You put the stuff out there and you're just throwing darts trying to hit the right fit, the person that believes in the work that you're doing. And once you start doing that, you start getting rejections. And the thing is, if you don't put your work out there, you don't get rejections. So there definitely is a correlation between how much you're putting yourself out there and how much you're being rejected. Now, for a long time, I was applying to tons of grants and things like that because I was in academia. I'm not doing that so much now because there are some grant applications that are extremely time consuming and I just don't have the headspace to do it. But also it's just not high on my priority list the way it used to. And so I actually have not been applying for a lot of things recently. And Damien says, recently got rejected by a gallery art competition, which inspired my recent video on my art YouTube channel. See, you made something out of that experience. And I did the same thing. I actually shot a short earlier today talking about that rejection. And so no experience is wasted because everything impacts you in some way. And when you can turn it around, it's really helpful. I mean, the way I see it, I can turn my rejection into a teachable moment for everybody and talk to people about how it's not often what they think it is. People take rejections as a stamp that says you're not good, but that's not true at all. So much of the time, it's just people really finding the right thing. By the way, everybody, we are doing a giveaway for our Open Studios Club. So you'll want to check news in our Discord. We have four sessions that we are doing a giveaway for. So the dates are over there. It's basically through the end of February. If you already did a giveaway for Open Studios Club, you're not eligible to do a second one. But anybody here who hasn't done any, you can do a giveaway for one, assuming that there's space in that date. So you'll have to check in with me, look at the Discord so you guys can see that. But we've had so much fun in there. I'm getting so much work done. For real, this painting, if I hadn't <laughs> run two open studio sessions this week, I wouldn't have finished it. I did all of this during Open Studios Club. The sandworm, I think I did yesterday. And the sand at the bottom, I think I did on Monday's session. And so from a selfish point of view, I'm enjoying Open Studios Club because I'm getting so much work done. It's really fantastic. 
Alexandria is saying, have you heard of the hundred no's? You intentionally seek outlier oops to understand psychs of no's. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, Ginger just applied to an exhibition. What I do when I send things out, I send them out and I forget about it. I don't think about it. Oh, I'm waiting. Oh my gosh. If I did that, I would cease to exist from all the stress. That would just drive me crazy. Yeah, just keep applying, says Slate. Some opportunities give you extra consideration if you've applied to it multiple times before. Although I have a really good story for you guys. There is a grant in Canada and it is called the Elizabeth Greenshields Foundation. And any person internationally can apply for it. Now, the thing about the Elizabeth Greenshields Foundation though, is that they only accept artwork that is realistic and figurative. And I always thought I'm a pretty realistic figurative artist and I applied so many times. I think I applied as many times as I could for at least 15 years. <laughs> they sent me a letter that said, you've applied enough, stop applying. I was like, ouch. <laughs> okay, so that, that hurt a little. I was like, wow. It, I felt like they were saying, you're so desperate, just quit it. <laughs> Stop bothering us. That was really funny. That was the only time I've ever gotten a letter like that. Charlene says, I'm 59, got rejected yet again for another E. I don't know if maybe that trailed off Charlene. Megan says, I've literally never been accepted like 30 times. I plan to fail more. I'll show you. Oh, good. I'm glad. Because I think artists need to share this. We need to tell each other, hey, I applied to this, never got it. Actually, here's a good success story. It doesn't always work out this way. But I applied every time I possibly could. I think it was like once every two years to the Massachusetts Cultural Foundation. They have an artist grant. I applied every year starting in 1998, which was the year I graduated. And I won it, I think in 2019. So I applied to that grant for over 20 years and eventually won it. And that that's probably the, the most significant grant I've gotten. Haven't been able to do that again. <laughs> but yeah, just keep doing it. It's no skin off your back. Especially if the application is not that difficult, why not? It's not a terrible thing. And Sonnet says, applied to the surgical ICU, was rejected, then applied to the surgical step-down unit, was rejected there too. I now work in a better hospital in Boston and am growing so much. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that, Sonnet, because I do think when you get rejected from something, other things happen. They have to. <laughs> that's no other way that's going to happen. I mean, that's basically what happened to me here. Academia rejected me. They were basically like, we don't want you. I mean, I got that message loud and clear after 15 years applying for all these full-time jobs in academia. And guess what? That's why I'm here. So if academia had not rejected me, 
and I'd gotten some tenure track. Because I would, the Orprof wouldn't exist. And when I think about that, it feels better to know, you know, something, it's not that somebody's not taking you and your world is over. It's just, you find something else. You have to, you're not going to sit around and just be upset about that all day. I mean, you can keep applying, which is fine, but we all have to find something else. And sometimes the something else is way better than what we thought we were trying to get. Alexander says, I'm accustomed to rejection. We are old friends in many things. Ginger's asking, can I join the giveaway, but a few weeks later, so I'll be on spring break. Well, Ginger, I think you're in the Patreon group. So if you're in the Patreon group, everybody who's in there gets two free sessions and also people who have taken a workshop. So if you're in the Patreon group or you've taken a workshop and you haven't claimed your sessions, tag me in the Discord and I can help you guys get set up for that. Oh, this is the worst. <laughs> when you're the finalist, it's like, oh my gosh, so close. <laughs> I remember there was a article, I think it was in Smithsonian Magazine. And it was the finalists from the Arthur Foundation grant. Oh, you almost won $625,000, but you didn't. I, I was like, I don't even want to know that I'm a finalist for something like that, because that just really, really upsets me. <laughs> Although one thing that is going to be sort of fun is that now that I'm older, there are grants that I can now apply for. There's a bunch of grants where you have to be a certain age and up to apply. So maybe I need to go back and take a look at that. I know there's definitely one for painting for which you have to be at least 50, I believe. So I should definitely take a look at that again. Jen says, Brian Cranston says the same thing. He gives, he says whenever he has an audition, he gives it his all and then just forgets about it. Yeah, and we need to hear about more people like that because I think Brian Cranston he's one of those actors. I mean, he didn't get success immediately and really struggled as an actor and really breaking bad was that role of a lifetime. And he was, I don't know, he probably was at least 50 when he got breaking bad. And I think we need more stories like that because there's too many stories about the people that make it big when they're 23 and that's great, but we need to see that a lot of people really just stick it out. They just keep going. And I have so much respect for people like that because that's hard. That's the hardest thing is to just keep going without the validation, without the milestones of success. That is the hardest thing. And the thing is nobody gets awards for that type of thing. And Art with Alexander says you have to collage time to get a grant. I think that was a typo, Alexander. If you want to follow up and tell me what that means. And yeah, Ginger Cell, you can get it. I extended some of the dates. Initially, I was just doing two weeks, but then I'm realizing that it takes some time for the word to get out. And so I'm giving people a little bit more time. And plus, it's just so fun when there are a lot of people in there. <laughs> and I love asking everybody, if you're a lurker, 
say hi, but you know, it's even more fun. Tell us where you are. You don't have to tell us specifics. Like you could just say I'm in Asia or something like that. Or if you want, you could just say I'm somewhere on earth. <laughs> but I, I really like seeing all the locations. I talked to somebody in the discord today who's from Romania. It's like, wow, I've never spoken to somebody in Romania before. And Art Prof has made it possible for me to connect with people in countries I've probably will never have the opportunity to visit unless I kept my travel show going, but that's another pipe dream. <laughs> and okay, so Alexander's saying, have higher education. Sorry, dyslexia won't give me the right word. Okay, so you're asking, do you have to be in higher ed to get a grant? The most important thing about artist grants is you just have to make sure you're eligible because there are plenty of grants that will say these people may not apply. So there's some grants that will say you cannot be a student or there'll be some that say you need to be a resident in the state. For example, Massachusetts Cultural Council grant that I won, you had to live in Massachusetts, you had to be a resident, otherwise you can't apply. So that's actually, for a lot of people, the most difficult thing about grants is that when they do the research, yes, you can find a lot of listings and we have a grants list on our website. But the thing is, once you've gone through all of them, you realize that actually you're not eligible for very many. And the thing is, the ones that are really eligible for anybody that don't have a ton of restrictions, those are the ones that are just crazy competitive because most artists, I don't think you can apply as a student, but the Guggenheim grant, which is one of the biggest grants out there for visual artists, that's a huge application, but it's so competitive. I, it's such a big deal. I mean, that makes your career if you win a Guggenheim. And so that's the problem is that the grants that are eligible for most people are just so competitive. So that's the difficulty. And we have in here, New Zealand, Buffalo, Argentina, South Africa, Rhode Island, Buenos Aires. Oh, how cool. Keep that coming, everybody. I just love seeing all of the various places. And remember, everybody, pick my brain about what's happening. Because I was just thinking today, I'm going to do the live stream on Sunday. It's going to be my first reaction to egg tempera. And then I realized today, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so not prepared. I haven't done any research on egg tempera and how to use it. And while the stream is about my first reaction, I also don't want to do stuff that's just so wrong because I just didn't read a dumb article or something like that. So if anybody here has tips about egg tempera, especially supplies, I did go out today and I bought a wood panel. So I will be using that. Although I didn't read if, I don't think it needs to be gessoed, but I have to look that up. That was sort of unclear. You look up one thing and there's like 18,000 articles and then you have to sift through them. It's so much work. I did see something about a wood panel, but I didn't research that very heavily. I need to look at brushes or water, how much do I use and any palette or anything. So that'll definitely be something I'm gonna be working on tomorrow. <laughs> I have to because the stream is on Sunday. But actually I'm curious, 
for those of you when you've wanted to learn something like totally brand new about art, okay, let's say you really want to learn how to do gouache, but you don't know anything and somebody gave you gouache supplies, which is basically what happened to me, okay? I have these egg temper paints that somebody so generously sent to me. And where do you go? Do you go straight to YouTube and type in beginner gouache? Or do you do Google search? Because I guess I'm old fashioned. My first place was Google, but I guess a lot of people will go straight into YouTube, which is very funny because I'm on YouTube and it just isn't my first impulse for some reason. I have read that they're saying Google is not as prominent as it used to be, that it used to be that people did that. But apparently now, and Lauren told me this, she said a lot of people are using TikTok to find restaurant recommendations. So things are definitely shifting. So I need to look up some of the egg temper tips, but it's, ugh. even this one article, I thought it was going to help me get it, but it's like, I just had to skim the whole thing because most of it was not very helpful. And then when I got to the part that was actually talking about the thing I was wondering about, it was really unclear. I, I read that. I was like, wait, what? Do I buy the wood panel? I, I still don't get it. <laughs> and Raven from Puerto Rico and Omizu, middle of America and retrospectives asking, what countries have you visited? China, Taiwan, Japan, Canada, Hungary, France, Spain, Italy, I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, Portugal. I went to Portugal pretty recently. Austria. I went to Austria in the 90s. I haven't been to Africa. I haven't been to South America. I think that's it. But I would really like that list to get longer because I want my swan song to be that travel show. The idea behind the travel show and I do have a YouTube channel for that. I haven't worked on it very much, but the link is in the YouTube video description below. It's under Clara's Art Adventures. But I did shoot this, quote, pilot episode of what I would like the show to be like in Japan. So basically, I draw something on site. I go to a museum and I go to an art supply store. And isn't that just the coolest thing? It's everything I love. Museums, art supply stores and painting on site. That's my favorite thing. I mean, I feel like we could do a whole show just visiting art supplies around the world. Oh my God, that would be so amazing. But I'd like to draw too at the same time. Yeah, I'm curious about the surfaces, Savine. I don't know if anybody here knows. I was looking at some of the gesso board that they had but I actually have not really painted on just straight wood before. I'm actually wondering if I need to put something on it like clear gesso or something. Ha, Jen says, I go to you. Oh good, I'm so glad. <laughs> and let's see, Lena says, I go to the back of my sketchbook to try all the new supplies and figure it out on my own. YouTube later if I'm struggling to figure it out. You know something? That's a really good way to do it. Just try it because you can read all the articles you want about egg tempera 
And when it comes down to it, it's all about you and those materials right then and there. I guess the thing that I'd like to know about, especially because I had this experience with acrylic paint, is things like mediums. For example, with acrylic paint, slow dry medium and matte medium. I know for me, those were huge game changers. So actually, I don't really know if there is medium involved with egg tempera. What I have seen is that it's just very, very thin, refined layers and that it takes a long time to build it up. I don't know. We'll find out on Sunday, right? And Deverne says Google for light fastness usually, but not that it helps. Always seems hard to find information. YouTube to follow artists theoretically for inspiration, usually for procrastination. <laughs> Actually, everybody, on Tuesday, Lauren and I are going to do a stream about art supplies that are archival, ones that are not. We're going to do many videos on that topic. Probably there'll be a bunch of shorts that we'll produce just to talk about very specific things. So I'm gonna see the Tuesday stream is almost gonna be the, the beginning of that, introducing just the concept of archival art materials because I think unless somebody has a lot of experience, a lot of people probably don't even know about it or probably don't know when you need it because you don't always need to use archival art supplies. A lot of the stuff that I use is not, but sometimes I know, okay, this is going into a gallery show, somebody might buy it in the gallery, then yes, I wanna have it be archival when you sell work and everything. So Lauren and I will be talking about those types of things. So tell me in the chat, what experience do you have with knowledge of archival materials, light fastness, things that degrade, Anything that relates to the longevity of the artwork, I'd be very curious to hear if you have gotten good information on that. Maybe you've been curious. Maybe you never had an opportunity before because actually <laughs> that would help me because then I can add it to our list of different things for us to talk about on Tuesday. I'm sure it's gonna be too many. We're gonna need more than one stream, of course, but. It would be really helpful for us to know about that. We got Boris in Texas. Alan says, learn better through reading, taking notes that if I need more context, I watch a video. I wonder if this generational thing, okay, Gen X and above, if you had to choose between reading an article and watching a video, which would you choose? I always pick the article first. For some reason, the video, I, I don't like, having to move at someone else's pace. I think that's why I prefer articles is because I can read it at the pace I want, whereas the video, it goes too fast or it goes too slow. And I don't know, I guess I'm just really impatient. This is very true, Noodle Cat, seeing how people use things. I have this amazing printmaking book. It's called The Complete Printmaker and I've used it for decades. Used it as a student, used it when I was teaching printmaking. And it's a great book, but it's a book when it comes down to it. How do you explain to people to twist something a certain way unless they can actually see it? 
And so that's why ultimately videos are going to be the ones that give you the most accurate information, assuming that the person in the video knows what they're doing. And okay, so Alexander says I would, just so or whatever, would surfaces would soak up the moisture unevenly. Don't remember where I put it, but I should read the packaging. I'm not sure. I think it's raw wood. I got to take another look. I can't remember what's on it. Oh, that's a good idea, Lisa. I should go to the Sennelier website and see if they have resources. Because that, that is helpful when you look at the manufacturer of the supply you have. That's usually a better thing. Like I usually try whenever I'm doing paints and mediums, I usually try to stay within the same company, not all the time, but for example, I was trying to do water mixable oils. And so I got a whole bunch from Windsor Newton and they actually have a whole line of water mixable mediums. So it, it's a specific linseed oil, stand oils, all specially formulated for water mixable oils. And so I thought, okay, well, I don't know a lot about this, so I'm just going to stick with Windsor Newton. And certainly if I spent more time in that material, maybe I would go do some other brands. And I do do that with oils because I know the materials better, but I feel like when I first start, it is a little easier just to work within the manufacturer. Oh, Enoch says vinegar for egg tempura. <laughs> Are you talking about, yeah, I love tempura. Shrimp tempura is my favorite. Yeah, Andrew Wyeth is extraordinary. I mean, I look at his stuff and I can't even process. Like sometimes it's actually not helpful to look at somebody who's a master because it's like not even close to what you might be imagining, which is why I think my first reaction, I don't know anything about this video, in some ways might be more helpful because when you see somebody who is just so good at what they do, it's almost like your learning is not as easy because they're not showing the clumsy sections of the technique. And so actually sometimes if you watch somebody who's not an absolute master, it's helpful. So you just look at me, I, I'm not good at it <laughs> at all, literally. <laughs> okay, so retrospective says use vinegar can change the texture not fully sure. I think it only works with homemade egg tempera. Yeah, there's all these recipes and stuff for making your own. I just have the pre-made tubes because honestly, I don't have time for it. I have a bunch of other projects going on, so I don't have time to devote, but maybe at some point, maybe I'll get super addicted and I want to paint egg tempera forever. I doubt it, but who knows? This is true, Melanie, who says, find myself going down a rabbit hole of too much information, sometimes best to just jump in and try stuff out. Yep. Because when you get there, people can tell you so much stuff, but it's like everybody has such a different reaction. For some people, they might try egg tempera and go, oh, I don't like this at all. And other people might just have a natural inclination towards it. Okay, so Slate's saying, still just so even if not required, unpainted wood is very dull, doesn't reflect much light. 
oh, that makes me wish I had picked up some clear gesso because I haven't used clear gesso before. I've seen other people use it, but I like the idea of clear gesso on wood because then you can see the wood texture through. Although I think it depends on how opaque I go with the egg tempera. And hello, rural groom. Keep saying hello, everybody. We also have, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, Sujani from UAE. Welcome. And yes, it is a scary rabbit hole, Alexandria, because I mean, this is such a bummer, but there's so much incorrect information out there about so many art supplies. And it just kills me because we oftentimes have people, they come into the discord and they have questions. And so they'll tell me, oh, well, I learned this, I saw this. And so often I'll say, yeah, that's not right. Or yeah, that's not a good thing because it'll ruin your brushes or something like that. So it's very hard. And, and really the ultimate people who really know about the archival stuff, it's people who work in conservation and conservation does require an actual degree. I don't think a lot of people know that. So there really is a science to conservation that is not easy to pick up. And a lot of those people work at museums and stuff. I, I know there's, is it Bomb Gautner, the guy that does the restoration? I haven't watched a lot of his videos, but I don't know that there's that many other conservators out there sharing that information. So it's brilliant that he does. It's just, it's one of those things where the information is sort of behind all these closed doors. It's really hard to get access to that. Oh, 7A says, have to check the archival quality of materials constantly because of working at an art store. 7A, I wonder if you could reply if when people come in, if they ask about archival stuff or if it doesn't come up very much. I'm just curious to know just generally how much people have a sense for that or not. And I love reading about all these different ways people learn because we do serve such a wide demographic. I mean, we people who are 11 that watch us, I get comments all the time. People say I'm 85 and I'm just getting started with art again. And so here Greg says, start with the article, then go to the video. And other people are saying the opposite. So it's really helpful for me because what we're trying to do with the platform is to format so many different ways that accommodates many different people. So we have the shorts, we have the long videos, we have the slideshows, we got the website and everything. I'm always trying to enrich that as much as I possibly can. And Savinari says, like watching videos, I can see the product, then do my own thing. Blake says it's pre-digested for me in a video. Also, as a more audio learner, I struggle taking in info from reading. Amizu says reading an article. Might get distracted if it's a video. I know when I get on YouTube, probably within five minutes, I'm watching some Ben Affleck video <laughs> because I love celebrity gossip. There's so many funny videos about Ben Affleck on TikTok. It's like, I, I, I totally do that. Yeah. All roads on the internet for me lead to celebrities. 
All right, so Pat says, I really rely on labels for archival information, like micron pens say it right on them. Funny how Copic does not have that labeling. Hmm. And so Janet says, how to justify time management with multiple art medium interests. I'm unable to focus on one. Jack of all trades, master of none. I'm probably not a good person to answer that question because I can't focus either. Here I am, I'm trying an egg temper thing. I'm working on this Dune poster. I have this back here, which still needs a lot of work. And some of you may have seen I went shopping for liquid plastic the other day because, okay, here's the plan. Ready? I have it all planned out. I am going to sculpt a little bust of Aaron Tveit as Sweeney Todd because he's on Broadway right now. And there's the scene at the very end where he's like all bloody because he got healed. I'm going to cast it with liquid plastic resin. And then I'm gonna find some paint. I have to call the manufacturer, I'm not sure which paint. I'll need to use, but I'm gonna just splatter red something on it. And then here's the plan. I'm gonna mail it to the theater addressed to him. I'm gonna do this in a week and a half. See, I have the timeline, it's all planned out. And then I'm gonna be in New York, March 9th to see Sweeney Todd. And if he does the stage door, which I hope he does, I'm gonna go up to him and I'm gonna say, Aaron, did you get my bloody portrait sculpture that I sent you? <laughs> because I watched this interview where he said somebody did that for him, but it was a bobblehead that they sent him a bobblehead and she showed up at some stage door and said, did you get the bobblehead? And he said, he was like so excited. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna recreate that. So yes, that is my silly plan. <laughs> And okay, so Enoch says it dries very fast, the egg tempera, good. So Janice wants to know economical hard pastel brand, which also sells individual colors. I don't know where you're located, Sue Janice. I know sometimes the brands vary tremendously from country to country. Hard pastel brand, I do really like Rembrandt's. Those are very good they're not crazy soft and i think about rembrandt's they're sort of like home base so sometimes i'll add a little bit there's a brand called terry ludwig that i really like and sometimes i'll do like little bits of new pastel i like doing that for more details but i feel like as a base i tend to like rembrandt well i'm so glad you like the real-time videos because despite all the information about people's short attention spans, I agree with you. I think people need to see how freaking long some things take because there's just too much curated content out there. We're seeing a 30 hour process boil down to one minute and you just can never understand what that's actually like. Oh, wait a second, I think I have. GAC 100. Oh my gosh, I have to check my closet. I feel like I bought that, although maybe that was the Silver Point ground. I can't remember, but I feel like I have GAC something. <laughs> so I'm going to look in my closet. Thank you for letting me know.
so Damien's asking, what's egg tempera? So it's a paint where the base is, is literally an egg and people can make it themselves. But typically egg tempera paintings were done in the Renaissance. So Botticelli was somebody that did a lot of that. I think, was it Duccio? I really like Duccio, but I'm blanking on whether he did oil painting or egg tempera. I think it was egg tempera. But anyway, it, it, they have this beautiful luminosity to them and it's very thin layers, which is perfect for me because I really like painting thinly. And hi, Sonnet. Thank you so much for the super chat. We so much appreciate your support. Keep those super chats and super stickers coming, everybody. That is so incredibly helpful to us when we get even just a few per live stream. Our budget is small enough that I still get excited when somebody sends us $15. It, it makes a difference. That's how small our budget is. It really is huge for us. And... Blue Wren says, wish I'd known that textile conservator was a job back when I was young, but growing up in Australia in the 70s and 80s, there's no way to know that it was even possible. That's one thing that I do really like about how the internet makes certain professions have a visibility that they never had before. And I do think that that's a positive thing. And okay, so 7A is reporting back. It's about half our customers. Some are super concerned. Some didn't even know it was a thing. I let them know about what may happen just in case they don't know. That's really interesting because, yeah, some people get really worked up about art supplies. I mean, I always try to not make anybody angry, but of course you can't help it if you post anything online. You're going to make somebody angry at some point. And wow, some people get really angry about art supplies. Like people chill. Okay. It, it's, it's a brush. Okay. <laughs> like we can all just not have a meltdown over this one brush. <laughs> and Sujanis is asking what's best if I've just 30 minutes a day Watercolor gouache, oil pa uh, pastels, and oils. Not oils. Oils take forever and ever. Pastels is probably the fastest because the thing about watercolor and gouache is even that requires palette, brushes, cleaning. Pastels, you just pick them up and go. So I would recommend trying that. Yes, Copics are not archival. They'll fade after some time. And it's a bummer. I don't think a lot of people know about that. Yes, I'll let you know. <laughs> my my brother will be there <laughs> to film the whole thing if it actually works. I'll be very sad if he doesn't remember. <laughs> if he gets it and doesn't remember, that'll make me sad. But I, I suspect that not a lot of people are sending him sculpted portrait busts of him with blood. I, I think that's going <laughs> to show up. And... Ginger sells great plan, but did you factor in the fact that you're going to be fangirling? I met a YouTuber I like and I was freaking out. Yeah, there are a couple of people in the world <laughs> that would have that effect on me. Hi, Cherry, new to the channel. Want to ask how you deal with art block since I'm taking AP art next year. 
I think a big part of art block <clears throat> is just the pressure, the feeling like I need to do this now. I find actually that sometimes doing something else that's art related, but isn't the making part. For example, I think this is a great way to get inspired. If you are in school and you guys have a library, go and just look at the art books. Even if there's only 10 art books there, that moment of slowing down to look at work, not on your phone, it's very different when you're in a library and you're holding this big ass Durer book. It's really a great thing. The other thing too is take your sketchbook and just do what you like doing. Jordan told me that sometimes he'll do fan art because it's easy, it's fun, and he doesn't have to think about it so much. And sometimes that's the only thing you need is you just need an entry point to get back into the making. And sometimes for some people, that's the entry point is just something guaranteed you're going to like, you're not going to be frustrated. Sometimes that's a good way to get out of the art block. Iron Earth is asking, heard about clay monoprinting, where or what brand of powdered clay or pigments would like to try? I'm not sure what that technique is. I guess I'd have to see a picture of it because the thing about printmaking is so much different terminology that's out there that I don't think sometimes that things always line up. Like sometimes people will refer to a technique and they'll use these words and I don't know what they're saying. And then I look at the thing, I go, oh, it's this. So it's a little bit challenging to know. I don't know the term clay monoprinting. So I'd have to take a look at that. Retrospective says, do you use the same brushes for oil and acrylic or other mediums? I don't, you shouldn't mix your oil and acrylic brushes because if you are doing acrylic painting and you're using a brush that has oil residue in it, that's not good because you don't want the oil paint to get into your acrylic. I mean, I guess if you had acrylic left over in a brush and you were painting oils, it wouldn't be such a big deal. The, the bigger thing is when there's oil in an acrylic painting, you probably don't want to do that. But yes, I keep them separate. For example, I believe this is my oil. Is this all oil? Yeah, these are these are my oil brushes. So these are the bristle brushes. And this this one? Hmm. This is a whatever bin. <laughs> I actually I don't know. There's no rhyme or reason <laughs> to this bucket. That one's fairly organized. But yeah, I don't know. This is one of the containers where you say, oh, I need to put it somewhere. And now it's in here. <laughs> oh, you're right. Mentioning a bloody portrait shoot. I probably shouldn't have brought that up. Anyway, hopefully it's okay. And Greg is asking, what kind of archival issues should I consider since I often paint on cardboard? The important thing is largely with oils. Like you wouldn't want to paint with oils straight on cardboard. You definitely want, want to make sure that you are gessoing the cardboard first, and then you can put the oil paint on top. Yeah, this is good advice from AA. If you have art block, switch to writing as a different creative outlet. I talk to Kat all the time about where we get ideas 
Kat told me she gets all her ideas in the shower. <laughs> and I think it's because you're not fixated. And I do the same thing. I sometimes have projects. I, I just want to think about them. I don't want to do them. And I'll just think about it when I'm working out, just on the treadmill. I'll just be thinking about it. And sometimes the treadmill is a distraction. Other times it's a space where I can just think and not be doing things. Okay, so 7A is explaining about the cardboard. Degrade over time, first possibly cause yellowing and discoloration, later structural problems or molding if it becomes damp. Yeah, you have to be careful. There are an artist, I forget who told me about it, but this artist only paints on post-it notes. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't envy the conservator who has to deal with that. What a pain in the butt that is. And, oh yeah, it's not a Santa. It, it's part of my very sad, very tiny gnome collection. <laughs> I actually just found a new one. I found a Christmas gnome at the thrift stop, the thrift store the other day. He was only like 25 cents, but this one's on a stick. So anyway, yes, that's my gnome. I need more gnomes. I don't have that many. It's not much of a gnome collection if you think about it. So Raven is asking, what is archival art? So archival materials would be ones that are going to last for many, many, many years. And we're talking 100 years, not just a few. And so, for example, there's stuff like newsprint, which is not archival. And so a sheet of newsprint, if you sits around for 100 years, it's going to turn yellow. And so it will not retain the original color. So any supply that degrades over time, that changes into a different color and stuff. I mean, this is why art conservation is such a gigantic field, is that it is so complicated. And especially with all the contemporary art people are doing now, oh gosh, I do not envy anybody who is doing any of that. Flower with me, thank you so much for the super sticker. Oh, you guys just make my day when you help us out like that. Because you know something, the person who got me the egg tempera supply, they purchased it for me off of my Amazon wish list because we do have a program now called Art Supply Reactions. So if you guys want to see what that is, just go to artprof.org and just type in Art Supply Reactions into the search bar. And that's where you guys can make suggestions. So if you have a supply that you're wondering about and you want to see my reaction, you can get it off my wish list, send it to me, I'll do a live stream. That's exactly what we're doing with the temper paint is that it was a material I was curious about, wanted to try, and this wonderful donor made it possible for me to do that. Because actually, there's a lot of paints I haven't tried yet. I guess I haven't thought about it for a while, but I guess people are saying to me now, because I'm getting a lot more into acrylic, that they really want to see me use golden fluid acrylics I have never used those before. And actually Lauren has used them a little bit. So now I'm really curious. And then the other one that I'm curious about is flash paint. Has anybody here used flash paint? Because I know people who have used it, but I don't have any sense of what flash paint is actually like. So tell me in the chat, who here has used golden fluid acrylics? Who here has used flash paint? There was another one I wanted to try. I've never tried casein. Maybe I should put that on my list. 
I know James Gurney does a lot of casein. So that makes me curious. And that's one which is based on milk. And similarly, like how egg tempera is very much based on eggs. I mean, it'd just be so fun. The thing is, it's like you, you get to try all these things and you realize, oh dear, this would take a really long time <laughs> to actually get good at. I mean, especially when you're looking at Botticelli and you're trying to do your own thing <laughs> with the egg tempera paint. It's really hard. And Starving Artist is asking about Christian Bale. He hasn't had a movie that he looks good in for a while, at least not that I know of. Maybe he has. You see, it has to be the right role because Benedict Cumberbatch was in that Wes Anderson film. It was really short. It was only like 40 minutes. But he didn't look that great. I mean, I still love him, but it's like he didn't look the way I want him to look <laughs> in that movie. And when he played Louis Wayne in that other movie, he, he was a very, he was great in that role for that character. But he wasn't like he isn't Sherlock. <laughs> I just need him to be. It's like a certain hotness character has to be in there. And if it's not there, I'm not that interested. <laughs> Okay, so Greg is really liking golden fluid acrylics. Oh, Megan says very thin coverage, still saturated pigment. Oh, wait, there's open acrylics? So that's different than fluid? Oh my gosh, there's so many different types of paints. I can't keep track of all of these. And... So Johnny says, I've seen excellent gouache artists who never progress to acrylics or oils. I see gouache as a practice or beginner medium. Size of art is usually small. I don't think that's the case. I think certainly you will find people in the art world who will sort of rank how important certain media are. There is a pyramid of that. There is a food chain where oil paintings are always going to be valued more than prints. That's just the way it is. But I don't think that there's any sequence of beginner paint or advanced paint because watercolor is such an accessible material. I mean, we give it to kindergartners, but I actually think that watercolors are some of the most difficult paints to use because they're just so unforgiving. Even oil, I don't think oil is easy, trust me, <laughs> but at least with oil acrylic, it's like you can paint it over. But I do think with a watercolor, because it's so transparent, you don't really have that option. And a lot of watercolors get sort of tired after a little while. So I feel like watercolors are very challenging. It could just be me. I mean, it depends on who you are, obviously, but it, it's really interesting how that works. We do have an acrylic gouache tutorial. Alex Rowe, who used to be a teaching artist here, he did try out these acrylic gouache paintings. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm not a big gouache fan. I'm not really that excited about trying it, maybe. I feel like I want to try flash paint and egg tempera first. And then, you know, we'll have another cue that we will pull up at some point. Just so everybody knows, we do not have Discord chats after Friday Hangouts, but we will do them on Sundays 
and also on Tuesday evening live streams. Join our Patreon group. This is such a lovely, supportive group of people. You get to share your art in weekly voice sessions. I write very long, comprehensive critiques to people who want to share their art in there. And most of all, you make art friends. I mean, I really feel like people in that group, because it's smaller, I get to know people really well. I've met up with some of them in person. It's just a really great group. Take a look and check it out. Huge thank you to our amazing top Patreon supporters. You guys give me life. <laughs> like literally <laughs> keep everything alive here at ArtProf. And I'm so grateful for that. ArtProf is a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe for more art tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>